Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this is our 100th episode. Oh, I wish we had the cheer button. <gasps> yes, I can't remember which one it is on our little soundboard here. I'm going to end up hitting the creepy murder button, so I'm just <laughs> not even going to do it. It's the, so exciting, though. It is. It really congratulations, is. Congratulations, co-host. Yeah, co- well, congratulations episodes. to you. Here we are. I remember just about one year ago, You. it started with a messenger. It sure did. Um, hey, I was thinking about doing this. It was completely your idea. And I was like, also, yeah. Also, it was completely random. I'm like, do you like true crime? Yeah. Well, I knew, I mean, I knew you liked true crime. I'm like, you want to do a true crime podcast? And literally you're just just like, like, yeah, "Yeah, that'll be so much fun. And how do we do that? Like, I've done some research. Let's do this. And here we are a hundred episodes later. I do want to put it out there. I felt that you should rightfully do the hundredth episode, but we did kind of tag team this case. So 99 and 100 are both of our babies. They are. They really, really are. Twins. I'm, we had twins. I, we did. Look at what we did this year. I'm, I am happy to have you presenting technically the 100th episode, but oh gosh, it's, it's a both, big deal. Both of our labor it's both, love. Yeah, it is Here. both of us because we're do, it's the same case. We're just picking up yep. again. Where I left off. Mm-hmm. Where you left off. So That's right. And, and our theme this week is, fuck it. It's our centennial, <laughs> man. <laughs> Hundredth episode. Is, that is our theme. I don't think I said fuck it on Sunday's episode. But today but it is. Today it's fuck it. It's our hundredth episode. Yeah. That's our theme. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Now that we're done congratulating one yeah. another. <laughs> Talking about how wonderful we are. Are you right. ready for part two? I'm ready for part two. The people are ready for part I'm assuming that two. our people did not look anything up because they're waiting. They are, yes. Or they purchased so they could hear part two. Yeah, right away. So no one knows anything about Or what they we're were gonna... already a lovely Patreon. Thank you so much oh. for your support. And they've already. They could hop right over. They hop right over. Pick yeah. it right on up. So we love it. you all, though. Thank you guys all. Even just listening. Uh, thank you for yes, the, your support. Thank you so much. This has been truly so much fun to do. and It's really been a reason for two besties to hang out more, but it turned into so much more. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that. and also just what I've learned about, you know, I've always been fascinated with true crime, but doing all of these cases and the time frames and seeing patterns throughout those mm-hmm. time, you know, times in history. It's just, I've learned so much doing it too. Yeah, me too. I really have. Yeah. Are you ready I'm to ready. jump in? Jump into part two? Sure are. Sure am. So. Not real sure what right grammar is, but it's fine. <laughs> sure are I, I am. Just, I just talk for a living. So now that you presented us with Leonard Frazier and his disgusting, Ugh. horrible ways, I am going you to call a carbuncle. Yes, the carbuncle he face. He a carbuncle. Yes, that's a perfect word for him. He really, some of the things just really frustrated with, with me with him and I'm not over them yet. He literally had everything except for cannibalism. He, he did. He's done it all. He did. He fucked a dog. Ugh. Okay. So gross. It murdered children. Raped 
a child. Thankfully, so on a positive note, we're not going to talk a lot about him in this part. Right, yep. Because where you left off, just a small recap, and I will recap some things throughout just because they tie into my part of this. He was serving a life sentence for nine-year-old Kiera's murder. And they started looking in the area for connections of other possible other missing women that Leonard would have connection to because during the search for or the search of his vehicle during Kiara's investigation, they found the blood of another woman who matched with a missing woman in the area, Sylvia Benedetti. And they found out that there was a connection with Leonard. She was seen the night she went missing with him. So that prompted investigators to start looking at other missing women in the area at the time. And it led them to, and, and they would go back to Leonard. And he admitted to the crimes, led them to their bodies. And where we left off is that he had had admitted to the murder of Natasha Ryan, who was 14 at the time that she went missing in 1998. Right. September 2nd, 1998. So that's where I'm going to pick up in sharing some information about Natasha because she is a key part to this really shocking plot twist to the case. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is just start off sharing about Natasha, who she was, kind of some background, and tell you what happened leading up to her involvement Mm -hmm. with Leonard's. Her connection. Yes, Mm -hmm. her connection with Leonard. So, and there's not a lot of detail on Natasha's childhood, but the information I did find, it indicates that she was a pretty good kid growing up, and she had a pretty decent childhood. I didn't pick out anything... Um, exceptionally traumatic that she went through. Mm-hmm. She was born on May 9th of 1984, so she was close to our age. Mm-hmm. We're younger, of course, but um, no, close to our age. We are, we are, <laughs> oh, we are older. Yes, we are. By one year. Close. I was close. just trying to play that, you know, know, 25 for life card. Wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> Um, but yes, she was born May, May 9th of 1984 in the city of Rockhampton, which we talked about, mm-hmm. in Queensland, Australia. This was a smaller town, uh, bigger than ours, but yeah. um, still on the smallish side. And fun fact about Rockhampton, it is known as the beef capital of the world. No shit. Love me some beef. Me too. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Love your beef. Yes. Thank you, Rockhampton, for your beef. Mm-hmm. Don't know if we've ever had it, but neither, I would but try it. If, uh, chances are, if it's from the beef capital of the world, it was probably, probably imported it. somewhere. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you me as too. as a town. Quite a carnivore over here. <laughs> me too. I wish I wasn't. Me too. I, I I'd like to be a better person, but it's just not one of the things I'm working on right now. So. Maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah. I might but. get to that. So, Natasha, she was described as a super sweet child when she was younger. She had the nickname of Grasshopper. I'm not sure how she got that, but it was kind of a thing. Like, with people that knew her, they would call her Grasshopper. That is cute as hell. It really is. I like it. And so, that was just like a catchy little thing when she was a child. She was even reported to give up her own Christmas Day one year to go help elderly people. Oh, like, wow. Not many kids would do that. No. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Oh, young grasshopper. Oh, oh little grasshopper. <laughs> so super sweet, super kind. And like I said, no issues or concerns until she got into her teenage years. Okay. So they sound, sounded in my research like it was a little 
She kind of went through some pretty stereotypical rough teenage she transitioning. Did. She did. It sounds like she went from being a super good kid to not saying that she was a horrible child, but no. she went into having some mental health things. Emotions were coming up. Puberty and adolescence is hard, man. Yeah, it is. And being, being a teenage so girl. Yes. Ugh. I wouldn't Shutters. go back to those days no, for anything. No, I wouldn't either. Um, so a little bit about her parents. Uh, their names were Jenny and Robert Ryan. And she had a little brother named Chris and also an older sister that I said named Chris, but it's actually Donna. <laughs> I don't know what, why I put that in my notes, but it is Donna. Her Brother older Chris and sister Chris. Just kidding. They love it's the name Donna. Chris. Right. <laughs> um, so Natasha's parents, they did get a divorce when she was younger. I'm going to say, I didn't find the exact age, but I think somewhere like in the preteen, oh, okay. you know, before she's like hitting teenage years, mm-hmm. they got a divorce. And this was said to be really, really hard for Natasha. Oh. And this is from her accounts kind of when things started to get difficult Okay, for her. Like I said, she was struggling with mental health. She started to get in some trouble at school. She was not doing well at school. Her grades were not good. Starting to fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She started to experiment with drugs. Sure. And um, she even, there was, was some reports of self-harm oh, on occasion. Okay. So really struggling. Um, she was, yeah. yes. And so it does sound like she was getting some counseling for these things at the time. Natasha did say that she was angry at everyone and everything. And, sure, you know, she didn't want to live the life she was living. Mm-hmm. So like you said, lots of angry teenage emotions. Probably in some rebellion mm-hmm. going on. Lots of people have been there. So what I'm going to, so that's the information that I got on Natasha's childhood and growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes us to about the age of 14. And this is when things happen in the case mm-hmm. with Natasha. So what I'm going to tell you about is her disappearance mm-hmm. and then the things that happened after. You know, leading, yeah. leading the aftermath of that. Natasha disappeared. I think you mentioned this just as we were wrapping up. Yep, I think so. Um, it was, and I think you had a different date than I Possibly. did. But I will tell you that I found various dates for several of these things. Like, mm-hmm. it's either a May 2nd, May 5th kind of thing. Yes, so yes. I think you said September 2nd, maybe. I did. And I had I have August 31st. So okay. it's like yep. in Right in there. there. Yeah. Yep. It's hard to tell. And I probably just went with the one. This is what I frequently do. I will go with the date that I've seen the most. The most. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that is probably how I... Got that. And I used my primary source was that investigative journalist's mm-hmm. book. And so, you're so it's sp- possible that she even had it a little bit off because her investigation was on Leonard Frazier, not gotcha. necessarily yeah. each of the victims. So, mm-hmm. so yep, somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. Definitely um, the end of August, early September 1998. Yeah, kind of the beginning of our, like over here, our school, where school's kind of starting. Yes, and, yep, that's um, true. So, yes, it was 1998, and she did disappear August 31st to September 2nd, we'll Mm -hmm. say, in that time. And Leonard Frazier was out of prison at this point in time from his 12-year stint for rape. He was released January 1997. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what happened that day is Natasha's mother dropped her off at school, like an ordinary day. It was, you know, that morning. 
She told her mom that she loved her before she headed off to school. But Natasha actually never made it to school that day. It would be discovered later that she was reported absent from school. Mm -hmm. She never actually went in. When she didn't return home that evening, after several hours went by, her mother was rightfully very stressed and panicked. And Mm -hmm. she ended up calling the police to report her daughter missing. Now, as we had mentioned, Natasha was only 14 at the time that this happened. Another part of this that is important to know is that she was dating someone named Scott Black, who was 22 at the time. Right. So this was something that was going on at the time. They were dating. And just about a month before this happened, where she was reported missing, she had went essentially missing before. Um, She had run away from home Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend aided her in doing this. Mm -hmm. Now, she was found just a couple days afterwards and Scott was fined $1,000 for the incident. He claimed he had helped Natasha because she had threatened to kill herself. Okay. Dude, you're dating a 14-year-old, so. Right. Right. Yeah. This this part, I. I have issues with that. I I do, too. And, I mean, later in life, okay. And, but. Right now, this is yeah in the present. It's Mm -hmm. it is a little unsettling, but so he did help her run away. You know, for that one incident. Now, originally, because of this prior runaway experience, the police didn't take her missing uh, persons report very seriously. Sure, right off the bat, they're like, "Eh, "Oh, well, this happened before." Okay. I'll th- I mean, I can kind of see that. Usually right. in these cases, I'm like, are you kidding me? But she did have a history. There was it. a history. So, so, okay. Now, I will say they didn't take it seriously right away, but they do end up doing a very extensive, thorough search. Yeah. And it actually cost the town a ton of money. It did. About $400,000. That is a lot. Because of money. they, I mean, they had hundred. 100 plus volunteers come and they did what was described as like areas of bushland were burned down um, so they could further investigate the land. So this was a pretty good. This is extensive. It was. And $400,000 in 1998-99 is not the same as it is today. Uh, That was a lot of money. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of money now, of course, but I'm saying, you know, the way that it translates to today's yeah. Terms. That's so they, a lot of money. You know, originally they're like, uh, we don't know, but they do end up making this incredible effort to yeah. find her. Yeah. So the last sighting of Natasha was outside of a cinema that day that she had disappeared. She was spotted talking to an older man who was never identified, but that was like the last sighting anybody had seen of her before she disappeared. Interesting. So. Mm-hmm. A witness came forward with that information. It didn't really lead anywhere at that at the time, mm-hmm. in the beginning. So her disappearance, this is where our cases kind of will link together. This is where they collide? Yes. Her disappearance came around the time that these other crimes were unfolded that Charnel just told you about mm-hmm. that were occurring. This is the same time that several girls had come up missing in the area. And so with on her family's end and with the police... The hours turned into days, days turned into weeks, and, you know, then months go by. And so it really started to settle in that, you know, she has either been abducted or, or she's murdered mm-hmm. by that time. Mm-hmm. About four months after Natasha's disappearance, and this is just a little recap of what you had shared with us, you know, um, about some of the victims. 39-year-old Julie Turner had disappeared. Now, her mm-hmm. boyfriend was originally a, sp- a suspect, to yes. my understanding. Mm-hmm. 
And so this case wasn't immediately linked to Natasha's case. But then 36-year-old Beverly Lego Lego. Mm -hmm. had disappeared. And then her boyfriend, ironically, was a a suspect at the time. Yes, because both of them were in very domestically violent relationships. Okay. That's why the boyfriends were... The first suspects okay. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he preyed on vulnerable women that way. But the problem is, so three women in the same area are going missing. And so the police begin to, to think about, okay, maybe it's not the boyfriends. Maybe there's something else going on here. And so that's when they kind of start to look into this all being connected. Mm-hmm. You that know. disappeared after Natasha disappeared. Yeah. So it was all very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And so as you had pointed out, Natasha was the first one to go missing. Mm-hmm. And then all of these other girls and women start yep. to suddenly disappear. disappear as well. Mm-hmm. Now, there were other suspects in their cases at first. Yes. And it did. My understanding is it took some time to link these all together. Yes, it did. Because as they were happening, they didn't immediately link them. But right. as women are starting to come up missing, they're like, OK, we've got, you know, three or four women in seven months that have disappeared. Yeah. Something's going on. Well, and after Ke- the murder of Ke- nine-year-old Kira Steinhardt, they had the blood evidence of another murder victim, but it took them a while to match it to that of Sylvia Benedetti. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, those things take time, time. and years. And so, so yeah, so this did, did take time mm-hmm. to piece this all together. But eventually police are, they're beginning to consider, okay, there's some kind of predator lurking in our area. There's connections here. And that's where Leonard came in with that, the tragic death and rape of Kiara. And so after that happened, then, you know, he was caught as we know, and this is where it kind of all ties together because then they're linking him. He starts confessing to these other murders and they're like, okay. You know, he's the, we've got our guy. Yep. He's the one that did this. And so he also confesses to the murder of Natasha mm-hmm. Ryan. And so this is where we're going to. said He said he stabbed her, that the, and he threw her body out of the vehicle, left her under a mango tree, and that they would yeah. never find the murder weapon. Yep. He told his cellmate that, he I did. believe. Yep. And- uh, Mr. Allen. Uh, I can't remember the kid, the dude's name at this point in time, but it's someone, something Alan. Anyway, mm-hmm. Quinn, Alan Quinn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, he de- in detail confessed this. Of course, they believe him. And right. He led them to the other he people's did. bodies. And ironically, he led them to all of the bodies except for Natasha's. Yeah. That one was left unfound. Which her, in my understanding, is that her poor family, it was like two years after the date that she went missing when she would have would have been her 17th birthday. They held her memorial after he confessed to murdering her. Right? They, they did. Yes. Yeah. I just feel so bad for her family, you know, at this point in time. I'm sure after that many years of going by of her not returning home, they were probably expecting the worst. Absolutely. So, yeah, so they hold this memorial and time keeps going by where he had confessed to her murder. And, of course, it takes a while for all the evidence in the trials to come about for these these four other victims. Because Kiara, he's already been sentenced to Kiara's. Did This takes almost five years for all of this to play out. Yeah, for the the charges, them to get all the evidence together, get the trial together. Yeah. So at this point, Natasha's missing for... 
almost five, yeah, five, five years. years. Just I think just under five years she was she was missing. Yep. And this is three years after Kiera's uh, trial because he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison uh, the end of 2000. But it wasn't until 2003 that they had all the information from the other missing women and, yes. and confessions and were able to put it together and put it to trial. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to give you kind of the, I'm going to drop a huge bomb on you right now. Obviously, you know the spoiler alert. So does everybody else who Googled it. Who Googled on it. On Sunday yes. when they listen to the episode. But so what is discovered through this process there was anonymous an anonymous tip that came in. The police received. It was a letter. And it stated, Natasha Ryan is alive and well. You can contact her on, and in parentheses, it says fo- the phone number mm-hmm. of the North Rockhampton home. Mm-hmm. So they get this out of the blue. Because at this point, I mean, her parents, we had talked about, they had a memorial service for yes. her. I think it was on her 17th birthday. Yeah. They did like a balloon release. They're, I mean, they had accepted their daughter had died. It's been five years. Yes. And a serial killer that was linked. Confessed. confessed. And so they have, I, I don't want to say they accepted, but they have, they believe their daughter has been Of course. Murdered. They had no other reason to believe otherwise, honestly. And the police as well. Yeah. So, I mean, they're moving forward with the convicting the man that had admitted to killing her. Yes. And all of a sudden they get this letter saying, oh, wait a second, Natasha's alive. And you can talk to her. And so what I'm going to tell you is that they did raid the location where it was reported Natasha was. And she was discovered to be, in fact, very much alive. Mm-hmm. And like... Charnel said this happened in 2003. They went to the home, the address that was disclosed, and they did find her shaking, trembling, and hiding in the closet. Mm-hmm. The police at the time said that she did not want to talk to them. She did not want to be found. And wasn't it her boyfriend Scott Black's house? It was. That she was discovered yep, in, she right? was discovered at his mm-hmm. house. I mean, this was a huge shocker in this case because someone had confessed to killing her. And they're right in the middle of that trial. Yes. And if you don't mind, can I jump in with how this kind of convoluted the trial a little bit for the other girls? Absolutely. So at this point, it seriously, the trial made, I mean, this was huge news in Australia. They've got a horrible serial killer. So, of course, this trial is public. This made for a serious problem because, as I had mentioned, the jailhouse informant, Alan Quinn, the details of Natasha Ryan's murder was one of the things that he testified about. Now, there were other things that Mr. Quinn's recorded taping tapes with conversations that he had with um, Leonard in prison because he was a little backstory on Quinn. He was working for the police. He had had some bad dealings. He had um, he was not a murderer, but he had frauded some people out of money mm-hmm. uh, to the point where actually they committed suicide because they had lost so much money in his money scams. And apparently this man grew a conscience, had a lot of remorse, wanted to help in some way. So he started working with the police and posed as a prisoner and was like a jailhouse informant for mm-hmm. the police. And he had recorded conversations with Leonard as his cellmate. Well, one of them was 
the information, the detailed information that was all a lie that Leonard made up about killing Natasha Ryan. It was very detailed. It was very detailed. talked about it in episode one about like... Dropping her under a mango tree. Yes. Yep. He even named the tree. Yes. Specifically. So... In the thing is, is that in his other detailed confessions to this jailhouse informant, it had been accurate. They found a murder weapon where he said it would be hidden. So not all of the information that Quinn testified to was inaccurate. But if you are Leonard Frazier's defense attorney right now, you're like, hello, mistrial. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, this woman's alive. Yeah, my client falsely admitted to he was you know, pressured to, exactly to murder <laughs> yeah. like come on mistrial but the problem is all the unfor- inf- other information lines up including the fact that the prosecution had a letter that was sent by Fraser himself under the <laughs> under the name Mr. Squeaky oh god okay in an attempt to try to throw them off at his trial so during the trial, he mails and he's like, I want you to know that I am responsible for all the murders in the Rockhampton area. But here's the problem. He went into detail about those murders. Only things that the actual murderer would know that had not been released to the press that had about the autopsy report, things that had not come out in the trial yet. So they knew very quickly that this Mr. Squeaky was Leonard Frazier's alter ego. Oh, gosh. Because only Leonard Frazier would know this information that has not been released by the autopsy report yet to the public, had not been released because it hadn't been through the trial. Or it had not, this was during the trial, but those people had not testified yet. Oh, wow. So he literally revealed himself. So they're like, okay, guys, we have all this other information. Yes, he admitted to Natasha Ryan because he wants to be Australia's most and worst, biggest, baddest, ugliest. Okay, just like how he wanted to be connected to the underbelly of society. It is it is boastful for him. He was bragging to Quinn Allen about murdering these women during those recordings. So this is something that he, yeah, you bring me another woman's name. Yep, I murdered her too. Okay, this, so they're, they don't want this trial going away. They had to adjourn for four days before they could come back and the judge did allow the trial to continue with all the information pertaining to Natasha Ryan being thrown out and dismissed. But they were able to move forward for all the other victims, thankfully, that they were 100% could connect him to. Yeah. My understanding, Natasha even called into her own murder trial to answer questions and she told the court she had never met Leonard and she didn't know you know anything about him yep but she's she's the only known person to testify in her own murder murder trial which I am so thankful that it didn't throw the other cases off (sighs) because I mean he really was a serial killer and rightfully convicted it just happened to be around the time that Natasha ran away and and essentially went into hiding for five years Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna get into the the details of that and what she was doing kind of in that time if you want me to finish up too on the um on may 9th 2003 they did do about a day's deliberation and the jury convicted leonard frazier of the murders of sylvia benedetti beverly lego and manslaughter of julie turner so that's how that wraps up before you move on with Natasha and, and why she, you know, which what happened with her. Round of applause for that because he deserves to be in prison 
Yep. For life. Yep. I did read that he passed away. He right? did. Yes. So um, he died of a heart attack December 31st, 2006. Yeah, 2006. He was 55. Um, so not that old. No, not that whole old to die of cardiac arrest, actually. He had been in the hospital since Boxing Day, so December 26th, and then while in the hospital on December 31st, died in his sleep in a secure unit in the Princess Austri- uh, Alexandria Hospital. Yeah. Yeah, so, so rest in distress, man. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, For I, sure. I don't even so have not, any words So not sad that you're gone. No, uh, but I'm just, I'm glad because there was that chance that this all could have been thrown off with her, like, hey, you know, still alive, but yeah. what if he would have walked away again? And the thing Ugh. about uh, his verdict of manslaughter for Julie, Julie Turner was that they believed the jury believed that he didn't mean to kill her that they there was evidence that came forward that you know during his beating she died I I don't oh. know so they couldn't get the murder on gotcha. that one they could only have manslaughter gotcha okay so but yeah i mean i'm thankful that it worked out because this you know all unfolding as her murder trial is taking place it's like i wonder if in today's the way today's court system is if it would be i bet it, it would be a miss i think it would, would be completely thrown out mm-hmm. i do too. and i mean he was already in life for prison for kiera but still for these victims families they needed to see him have more Added on to his life sentence for justice for them as well. I agree. I am grateful that this didn't throw things off. So do you want to hear a little bit about Natasha? What's up with her the last five years almost? Tosh, where (laughs) you been? What's going on? So have you been in that cupboard for five (laughs) years? I think that, now I will mention that Natasha did get the name as the girl in the 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 closet. Is oh, what, okay. Like that's kind of what this case is known oh. with Nata- on Natasha's on end Natasha's of it. side. Okay. Yeah, it, it, she did kind of pick up that nickname through all of this, and oh, I will I can see why. I will tell you a little bit more about that, but um, yeah. So, like I said, we didn't. Uh, hear a lot of trauma that Natasha went through you know she did go through those hard teen years and the mental health issues she was dating a 22 year old and this is around the time that she disappears Mm -hmm. so that's kind of you know the, the information that we have so Natasha from what I could find she was missing for a total of four years and eight months so just shy of five whole years nothing was ever no leads no tips nothing until that letter came in, they really assumed she was dead, as we had mentioned. Amber, could you imagine being her parents? I can't wrap my brain around that part. Like, that is, I think, the hardest thing in this whole case is what her parents it's what went every through. parent holds on to hope for. Yes. This some random act. I mean, look, this is come, literally, she came back from the dead. Yes. So I'm going to get into... The things that happened, because obviously when I heard about this case, my mind wanders to a hundred different places. She was kidnapped. She was, you know, went through this horrific five years. No, um, not, not so much. Yeah. Now, obviously for her to go missing this entire time, there's things that we're going to dissect, but right. So this is kind of what she did during that time. Um, it was reported that for most of the time that she was considered dead, she was sharing a beachside house in Yapoon. Yep, 
we we said yeah, Yapoon, Yapoon, right? Yeah. Um, Up in Yapoon. In, in Queensland. It was my poon, your poon. Your, your poon, you know. Now, it was reported that this house was like on the beach. It was like a beautiful ocean view. In Australia? She, yeah. Okay, sign me up for that. So it's not like she was in a hole. Girl wasn't completely suffering. She was not. Okay. Um, so okay, she, now I'm a little like, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm feeling some ways. Yeah, you yeah. should be. Um, yeah, so she was living with Scott Black this entire time. While he was working his milk delivery job. He is a milkman. He is a milkman. You can make a salary to afford a beachside home. Now, I will tell you this. Despite the ocean view, Natasha's years were mostly spent confined in this house that they shared. Okay. Um, she essentially put herself into hiding. Yeah. So she was in the house, I would say, most of the time, like... She oh she couldn't go yeah. out. Curtains, I mean she couldn't risk right. being seen. Door locked, curtains, you know, drawn all the time, shades down, so nobody could see in. Nobody ever saw her leave. But why for? Are we doing this? <laughs> That's a good question. We'll get to that in a minute. <sighs> okay. Um, what I do have about it, we'll get to that. But so Scott went about his job as the milk guy and neighbors after all this came out said they thought Scott lived alone all of this Just time. Just a like, regular milkman dude doing, doing his, his milkman duties. They never saw Natasha. Wow. So she would spend most of her days just confined to the house. Now, where the the name comes in with the girl in the closet is she would when Scott had friends or family over, she would go hide in the closet. Oh, now her okay. she herself says that she was not in the closet all the time. I think that kind of got misconstrued a little sure, bit, or the media grabbed a hold of it yes. and just really sensationalized see, it. Yeah, you'll okay. see that headline and a lot of things about her she, being in the closet. She voluntarily put herself in the closet to hide. She did. Okay, so it was only like for an hour or two at a mm -hmm. time when there was company. The rest of the time, she was out, you know, freely in the house doing yeah. things. She just never left. It was Having, like a five-year quarantine. Okay. <laughs> and just willingly having a relationship with this man. Yes. Okay. Um, She would, she learned how to sew. There was a treadmill in there. Ooh. She said she would spend like an hour, uh, you know, working out a day. Listen, to my middle son who doesn't like people, this actually sounds like what he hopes for his future. I was just going to say, I could see my child being completely happy yes. with the setup. Yes. Like, how do I go missing so yeah. I can live like this? Yes. Now, at times, they would kind of sneak her out in the darkness. Like, if she sure. went anywhere, it was at dark. Okay. They would sometimes go to the local beach and do, like, a midnight swim. So sure. So, mm -hmm. she was out. Yeah. Change of scenery for the humping. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I guess she never got sick in five years, didn't need a doctor. And I am so sorry. It's the girl in the cupboard. I suck at life. Oh, have you been saying closet? Closet. I've been yeah. saying closet. That's okay. I, I think realized. I said cupboard a little while ago. But yeah, there was like, it was a closet that she was hiding. Yeah, yeah. And um, it actually, I, I did watch the 60 minute interview with her. Yes. It happened shortly after. Yes, and where she wanted a bunch of money to do that interview. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that as well. I figured we um, would. But, yeah, she goes through the house, back through it, shows the closet she hid in. It was like a basic you yeah, know, it room was closet. She wasn't, this isn't Harry Potter living under the stairs. No, it's not. And, you know, she was not held captive. And in the interview, she says that this, this was her. She yeah. wanted to do this. 
Um, the the interview is conflicting because Natasha, on one hand, will say she's so regretful of doing this to her family and, you know, wishes that she hadn't done it. But on the other hand, very strongly defends Scott and said that this was her yeah. doing it and yeah. she wanted to yeah. live this way. She chose to do this. I, I do believe, I don't think that Scott is malicious at all in any of this. I think that he is naive and he was manipulated by her and her willingness to sleep with him and have a relationship with him. They love each other. Uh-huh. And so, you know, whatever, it's usually you and your partner against the world. Right. Especially when you're that young and you're in that first love and all of that stuff, you're in it deep. Yeah. And so I can see how he is like, she's my first priority because I love her. So if this is what she wants, okay. And do you think that maybe she just didn't intend for it to go this far? Yes, I do. So this interview, um, I think it was like shortly after all this came out because she was still really young in the interview. Um, I've not seen the interview. I think she was 18, maybe at that time. But um, I think at a certain point, you know, she kind of describes after running away, it just all just, it spiraled down. And she even says at a certain point, she was too scared to even go back home because she was afraid of what the consequences would be. So of course, I, because she's a child. She's a child. I think it yeah. was a child doing something very impulsively yep. and, and then, childish and it getting too big. Like, holy crap, I'm so far in this. How do I even get out? Yep. I think, honestly, that was a lot of the five years and that went by. the longer that it went by and the more that it was working, the more it was just keep the peace keep the stability uh-huh. for themselves and their own relationship and not try not to worry about the hell that she's putting her family through. Yeah. And even so in the interview, the, the 60 minutes, um, the person that was doing the interview, she asked if, you know, do you, was Scott now looking back, do you feel like Scott was controlling you or had some kind of manipulate manipulative control over you? And she says, no, yeah, no, I wanted right. to do this. She was the one that, she does not this. blame him in any way. Right. She also said, you know, they created a life together. It was hard for her to stay in isolation and it was a struggle, but they had, they made a home together. They, they had, had a life own together. little bubble. So, it's a miracle she didn't get pregnant. It in is. In that time. Honestly. And it sounds like there, it wasn't, she wasn't unhappy the whole time. Like, yeah, there, it was hard. And I think there were parts of her that regretted doing this to her family, but she was also happy with him, which is also so, conflicting. Right. Like I'm happy. You know, it's like being reinforced for a bad thing. Like I robbed this bank and I'm, I feel bad about it, but I also am a millionaire now. Right. Yeah. And you can see that in the interview too, because there, she is conflicted. It's like, yes, there, you know, it wasn't that bad all the time. I can see that because honestly, I do have empathy for the fact that she made this impulsive decision at 14 years old. Yeah. And then to know how you grow, we've, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're older than 14, then you know what development is like mm-hmm. and how your mind and body changes and, and priorities and thoughts. I do wonder how she feels today, like if she's a mother herself. And I bet it wasn't until she became a mom herself that she fully understood the repercussions of the pain that she caused her family. You're probably right on that. Um, You can see some remorse in that interview as she's like, you know, things are all out of the cats out of the bag and she's recapping. You can see the remorse. But then, like I said, she'll go back to it wasn't all bad. But it wasn't bad. Right. I wasn't I wasn't held captive. I did this on my own free will. And 
Yeah. This is such an interesting case. It is. It's it's crazy. And I know you asked why she did this. And so I'm going to share with you the small tidbits that I did find, yeah. the, her explanation as to why. Um, the problem is there's really never a specific reason identified. She never says, like, X, Y, Z happened and I couldn't take it anymore. Um, I did find a couple quotes that she made during one of her interviews in this. Um, And these are the most solid leads that we have on reasons why. Um, One of the quotes is, I'm never going to say publicly why I left. I know why I left. I'm not sure my mom and my sister completely know all the reasons. I'm not sure it would make any difference saying why I left. I feel whatever I say wouldn't be good enough for the pain I've caused my family. Wow. So, I mean... She does describe life being really difficult for her during that time. You know, she was going through so much mentally and emotionally. As it is for a lot of 14-year-olds. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she never, you know, indicates it was anything to do with her family. Mm-hmm. There's no abuse or anything like that ever disclosed. And so she says, yeah, I had reasons why, but she will never and share th- them. And at this point in time, perhaps she's, this is just me speculating, because outside of anything abusive... Okay, perhaps now in hindsight, they're not big enough to say to yeah, yeah. to have You're been right. a good reason for leaving, and it's embarrassing. Um, Honestly, or, I would say that's probable because I mean, when I first started looking into this, I'm thinking, oh, she was being abused. Me too. Something was I thought happening. for sure sexual abuse or physical abuse. Yeah, I so was leaning she, towards sexual. So I'm really surprised to hear that there's no indication of that. There's not. And, and mean, it just sounds like it was teenage rebellion that got too, went too far. I think that that is. So did the police never search Scott Black's home when he was a person of interest? I believe they with? did. And I think we kind of jumped um, through some things, I apologize. We kind of jumped through a few it's okay. things. Okay, we can jump back through them now. Yeah, let's skip back a little bit. They did search his house. He was a person of interest. He was questioned. He said he hadn't seen her, you know, at all. You know, the day I believe he indicated that maybe the day she disappeared, he saw her briefly, but then nothing, you know, since then. Um, her best friend, who has a really long name I'm not going to try to pronounce, okay. uh-huh. <laughs> um, was also a person of interest in her disappearance. In my understanding, he was like the most solid lead until the, the oh. serial killer information started to unfold. Okay. So like, it was they com- really, coming in. They were really honing in hot on him. They were. And um, even after he was cleared, he was arrested, but then later let go because there wasn't enough evidence to hold him. And well, it followed him for years. They didn't create any. Right. Holy shit. And my understanding is like that followed him because people believed he oh. really had done it. And so that followed him for years. Sure. Being falsely accused of murdering oh, her. Oh, gosh. So I thought that was horrible. I am sorry and to hear that. I think that. we skipped through that, but it's important information in this is that, you know, I, I did wonder. I tried to look. I couldn't find anything. Like, gosh, I wonder what happened to him or if he ever yeah. talked to her again or anything because... I'm sure when this came out, he was probably really upset too. Raging, because, mad. Oh yeah, because he probably his went through hell. Was ruined. Yeah, for years. Because you know how people are. I'm sure he was having people say things to him. Of course. And so yeah, that was another piece of information. There were that suspects. My heart. And, oh, I would be having words with her for sure. Yeah, honestly. 
I'm supposed to be your best friend. And they were accusing me and arrested me at one point. And she, if she'd been following the news, she would have known that Mm -hmm. this is a small town. Mm -hmm. I, that really breaks my heart. It does. And so let's talk about her family too. And all of this, please, because this is the part I think when you think about what her family went through and they were grieving her loss. They had a, a memorial for her, yeah. essentially like a funeral to put, Absolutely. you know, to honor her. Um, people attended her funeral. They did. Lots of people. And then she came back alive. Yes. They put balloons out. That is insane. They had a video of her, like a, a bridesmaid at her dad, her dad's wedding. Oh and like, they gosh. were playing that during the service. Like all Aww. of these people were grieving. Oh Yeah. Isn't it amazing to think that her mom and dad know what it's like to lose a child and then also know what it's like to find one as well? Yes. Her dad, I guess, like almost collapsed at the... Oh, God, yeah. When they found out. I would have. I would have, too. I don't think you could have regained me for days. I would have probably lost bodily fluids. Absolutely. Passed out. All in one fell swoop. Yes. Mm -hmm. All of it at once. Yep. It would have been horrible. To clean up for whoever was around me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it, was pro- I, it would probably it be, would be me. <laughs> but no, so her family, her mother uh, participated in the 60 Minutes interview. And she said that when she found out Tasha was alive, her very first emotion she felt was hatred. Yep. She hated Natasha. Yep. She was so angry that Natasha could do this. Yeah. Ironically, one of the quotes that Natasha's mother had said before all this unfolded, as they were still hoping she was maybe just missing and mm-hmm. alive, um, or maybe questioning that she was alive, because what, what the quote says is, I don't think Natasha would have put me through all of this pain if she was still out there. Oh, God. So this she was, was hard. saying that. Yeah. This was hard for her mother to grasp that Natasha would do this. this. Absolutely. As it would for any mother, really. Yeah. Yeah. So she said she hated her for for a little while. I can, Um, I understand that. We are perfectly inhuman or we are, we are so perfectly human. Yeah. You know, and humans are so imperfect that you wouldn't have the, you can't. You cannot predict what response you would have. No, you can't. And just many uh, people might sit here and think, "Oh, I would just be relieved and not angry at her at all." You can't say that. No, I can. Absolutely I don't fault her for feeling that way. Me and neither. You you were grieving the the true loss of your child for years. Yes. Trying to accept she was dead, and this. Yep. Then you find out because she was someone, living beachfront. A serial killer confessed to killing yes. her, and then you you have that closure of like, okay, at least I know what happened. Yes. And, and then, then you find out, like you said, she's living her beachfront yeah. <laughs> life. Quarantine no. life. No. Sewing and yes. treadmilling. Learning skills. Like, yes. I would ha- I would ha- have a hard time with that. Me too. Now. With her her older boyfriend. Yes. That, oh. Oh, that's a stab it's to the heart. hard for me to grasp even, like, I just can't. It's I can't imagine what this woman went through. She did say, Jenny did say that after she saw Natasha for the first time that the hatred did dissolve. Sure. It's her daughter. She saw her. She yeah, loves she her. She got to see her tangibly. Yes. Something she had been dreaming about for almost five years. Yep. So it was in like. The flesh. You know. All of that kind of faded away when she saw her daughter for the first time in almost five years. Sure. And wow. so 
Um, they are working on a relationship. This was as of the interview. Yeah. Um, which it was a little while ago that this had happened. But her mother said that she didn't trust her at all. It was going to take some time to rebuild, but of they course. are trying, which obviously it's your child. And yep. so they're trying to like bring her back into the family, but apprehensive because of what she did. And yes. rightfully. Oh, God. And you know the story of the boy that cries wolf? Oh, what yeah. What if she ever went missing again? I mean. They're going to be like, okay. Oh, man. Nice try. This is, yeah, this is why you don't do these things, because what if it does happen, you know? God. So, as you can imagine, after she was discovered alive, there were a lot of questions, and there was a lot of, I would say, mixed feelings about the situation through the community. I um, bet she wasn't well-liked necessarily, I think huh? there, and that's kind of, th- there was some talk about that in one of the um, clips that I, news clips I had watched is that, you know, question of was there empathy for her? And it sounds like there was like this relief that she was, or this joy that she was alive, but also like not so like, much. How can you be this type? Some judgment maybe yes. on how can you be the type of person that did this? Mentioning you know? all of the money spent in the community oh, yeah. hunting, you know, for I shouldn't hun- say hunting, but $400,000. Like all these people pulled together to do this. And so there Ooh. were, people were angry. Yeah. All the volunteers that yes. volunteered their time and missed time with their family to search for her. Yes. And people started yeah. questioning our, and feeling like they should have criminal charges and all of this. Yeah, I wondered about that, especially the boyfriend. Yes. Because he lied and said he hadn't he seen did. her. And so he was hiding her, essentially, or yeah. helping hide her. And so they did have some, some consequences out of this. Okay. So in 2005, the Rockhampton District Court judge, Grant Britton was his name, Sentenced Scott to three years in jail. Wow. Which was suspended after 12 months for, it says, perjury after he pled guilty guilty to telling inve- investigating police officers that he didn't know where Natasha was. So that's what he was mm-hmm. um, put in there for. So a year later, Natasha Ryan was found guilty of causing a false police investigation. And she was fined, the amount that I read was $1,000. Mm-hmm. I read that too. So that was her consequence. Okay. But she, um, it was later found that she couldn't pay the cost of the, of the uh, fine. So wash dishes at the court. Right? <laughs> so it doesn't sound like she got a whole lot out of. Uh, no, a $400,000 investigate or, you know, search and she gets fined a thousand and doesn't even pay the thousand. Correct. Now, Scott Scott Black was further punished um, a little bit more. He was fined $3,000 and being ordered to pay $16,000 toward the investigation costs. Oh, my God. So they slammed him, I think, way more than she did. I don't think I like this. I know. I was kind of... Do you think maybe it's because they don't really know why she ran away, and so they're not trying to re-victimize the victim? Possibly. Like, if it was sexual or physical abuse or witness to domestic violence or something like that? that Possibly that and her being the minor and he was the adult in this. I don't... Oh, right. I forgot about that piece, too. That's that's my only thing I could think of because he was 22. She was a child. She was 14. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 
I forgot about that piece. So they yes. gave it to him hard, and yep. and he. I mean, it doesn't sound like she got more than because honestly, the he should have known better and went to her parents. I mean, really. Yeah. But we, at the same token, don't know what she was saying. She's never really come out with. Nope. And she said, "My my sisters, my sister and my mother won't fully understand." We don't know that it wasn't something nefarious we don't we can't assume yeah. and she you know just she said she knows why right but and just because she is saying there wasn't didn't she say there wasn't abuse or did she never come forward she never said, said there was or wasn't okay. she just said See, that that's mysterious too okay. yeah that's mysterious too so we don't we we don't know we can uh, i i won't i know I mean, her mother looked like a wonderful woman, and sure. you know, as they're showing the family reuniting, I, I do, do agree with that. He should have come forward, and at, at the very least, told police and yes. told police whatever it was that she was maybe saying as to why she didn't want to go back. Yeah. Home. So I think they looked at him as like you were the adult, yeah. and you should have, you know, been proactive. Plus, he was questioned, and, yeah, and lied and lied during an investigation. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. it, we. I mean, it could be something as simple as she was a child and did something impulsively, and then it got too far. Or there could be some much deeper. Here's the thing things. with fourteen-year-olds: it could have been something deeply. Mom said no, tra- traumatizing. and I'm sick of it. You exactly. Know. Or I was going to say, or it could be that she got grounded and she was pissed off. Yeah. yeah. She got caught smoking cigarettes or something, and they told, or they told her she had to break up with her boyfriend. Or mm-hmm. it could have been something. Far less nefarious. I guess we'll probably never know. Um, So a little bit more on on the two of of them. So there was some more controversy that arose because this case got a ton of media coverage. Everybody and their brother was wanting to interview them. And so they made some money off of this as well. It was a shocking case. I mean, I had never heard of it back then, but even reading about it now, I was like, Whoa! Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a big one. Mm-hmm. This is this, this is a, a centennial a episode. <laughs> yes, this <laughs> screams centennial. <laughs> but um, no. I, so everybody wanted a little piece of like interview with us. Do this. Do that. And so they they did get publicity. They capitalized on it. They made some money. And I'm going to tell you another little shocker here. I've had enough shockers. I know. We've had shockers. You give me the shocker a lot. To the max. On air. <laughs> yes. I'm puckering up for the shocker. Okay. <laughs> get get right. I'm, I'm gloving up right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Natasha Ryan and Scott Black were married mm-hmm. on September 29th of 2008. Okay. Right after Scott finished serving his sentence. Yes. In the 60-minute interview, she doesn't talk much about him, like, that they're together, but she does kind of indicate they, the interviewer kind of asks, like, if she'd like to marry him, and, you know, she kind of lights up. So it was pretty strongly implied that they possibly were still together, mm-hmm. you know, without saying it. That's the impression I got anyway. So, uh, you know, this part isn't a super big surprise that they end up married after all of this happened. Right. Um, it was a small wedding. There was 35 people there. 35 people chose to, to go. To hang. Okay. Yep. <laughs> after all to hang this. in with yep. them after all that. So they still, they had a circle. Okay. Everybody needs one. Yep. So they did have Probably a small mostly wedding. family. Natasha said we were sitting at home and suddenly he pulled out the ring 
um, Natasha. Is this still their beachfront home? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe because they yeah. went back to it. Like maybe they were living there afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said it caught her off guard and emotions were very overwhelming. Mm. And this was in an, another interview she had done with the magazine. They had gold bands for the wedding that had the words happy days always engraved into each ring. It sounds lovely. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Um, sure. And Jenny Ryan, her mother, mm-hmm. stated the wedding gives Natasha the opportunity to start afresh. So, yeah. bless this mother for conjuring up all of her support yep. for her daughter yep. after all of this happened. Just probably being grateful that she gets to see her daughter walk down the aisle. It shows the power of love and sure forgiveness does. because that sure would be does. a hard one. A mother, only a, a parent's love could do this. I mean, truly. Really. And truly. I, I hope that... I hope they're Natasha's in place. mother had some help getting through all. I mean, she, I hope, had a stellar I think therapist. Now they basically stay out of the news. They and the do. Limelight they now. do. They kind of trickled off after 2011. It's reported that they were paid $200,000 by Women's Day for the photos mm-hmm. of their wedding. So they banked on all of this stuff. Yeah. I I'm wondering if they made that. enough to just kind of disappear. Yeah. Because, for sure. Like I said, after 2011, there's no more like interviews mm-hmm. um it's said that do neither they have of them kids? they do have kids they have three okay. children um it sounds like in 2011 they were about seven five and one okay. so um and that natasha was studying to be a nurse and then okay. they kind of just it, they fade away i really do truly hope that she now as a mother herself understands the full impact of what she put her parents through yeah yeah with her choices I bet it and you're right it's different when you become a mom things Mm -hmm. are so different you see things differently yeah you look at life differently you look at life completely differently you do so and Um, when you're 14 you do not have that capacity no you're very egocentric at 14 the world is only about you and unfortunately came across a picture of Leonard as I was closing things out. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. Just upset again. He's so gross. He's so gross. But no, I mean, my, the, the most heartbreaking thing in this, I think is what her family went through. Yep. And I truly don't believe she intentionally wanted to put her family through that. And, and you're right. I don't think she fully would grasp it until maybe after she had kids. Right. Or her brain was fully developed. Bless her uh, mother, and I, I didn't see much about her father. I think he may have stayed out of the I guess I am glad but. after all of this that they did end up together and, and had a family. I mean, that's something, At right? At least, that something yeah. came out, that it wasn't just like this random fling. Yeah, you, know? you had this fling, and now it's they're cost not together. You, yep, yeah. yeah, it's cost all, you know, all this pain and whatnot, so... I, or is it the fact that she's been with him since she was 14 and she doesn't know anything else? I mean, I'm sure they truly love each other, but there's a lot to be said for that, there's too. There's many layers to that relationship, yeah, being I'm sure. quarantined together for five years solely, just that's your only world. He was her only yes, world. Yes, that's the only person that she communicated yeah. with for all of that time. It would probably be hard to let him go. There is a lot that I want to dissect I there. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> So many things, but they would only be assumptions. Right. So for me, we won't because we don't know. We don't know her, but I'm glad that out of all of Leonard's horrible, horrible things, we could at least end our hundredth episode on a positive note. Yes. 
There we a go. Plot twist. Plot twist. No, and she didn't really die. That's great. She didn't. Um, <sighs> so happy times for for her. Um, yeah. I st- I have a brain bath for you. Good because this our hundredth episode brain bath. Yes, you know I love me a spicy uh, burrito. Priest. Yes, priest uh, oh, burrito too, <laughs> uh, but a, a spicy priest story. Oh yes, these are the best. They are. This oh. one I'm I'm gonna say priest on the streets, freak in the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, do tell more. Yeah. So this one, this is from Rolling Stone. Let's put that on some merch. <laughs> priest on the streets. Freak in the sheets. <laughs> that would, somebody would wear someone that, I think. would wear that. So I'm just going to read this to you. It says, in the epic parties department, a priest at the Vatican was caught by police in a big gay drug orgy. Oh, my God, again? Again. We have had priests do things like this. Not a gay drug orgy, but the prostitutes. With the prostitutes. With the, yes, I yes, the two. really thought when I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is the one about the prostitutes. And then I saw the, the big gay drug orgy, and I was like, oh, wait. I stand corrected. Different priest, different so, orgy. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it says, neighbors were sick of the noise and the steady stream of young men Visiting, oh no, bear with me on the name Monsignor Luigi Capozzi. Capazzi. Wow, you that was beautiful. It's thank you. Um, so they were sick of the stream of young Can men. Can we just call him Luigi? It's the only thing I understood. Yes, yes. all right. I'm um, now picturing Luigi from Mario and Luigi in a oh, priest. For sure, get up for sure. Okay. Um, but the neighbors, they're seeing all these men going in and out. There was a lot of noise. The noise. There so, is no mistaking that noise. No. So they called the police. Yeah. Um, according to the Italian newspaper, Il Fatto Quotidiano. I know that newspaper. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I have, I've had, from one of our Italian cases, okay. I use that as a source. It was very difficult to read. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, according to that uh, newspaper, members of the Pontifical Swiss Guard, the Vatican's police force, they arrived at the scene mid-orgy where Mm. they found a group of nude men rolling around on the floor in the throes of pleasure. So... Questions? I have, I have questions about <laughs> yes. why we're rolling around on the floor. It sounds I guess like I don't got know. I don't know how to orgy. Y- you know what it is. I have not been enlightened enough I, by uh, God. I, I've never participated in a large group orgy either. No. I don't know if it's roll around until you partners. get poked. I don't I, <laughs> I don't know. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself about. Yes. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Okay. Probably what was going on. That is actually what that song must be about. Orgies. We've cracked cracked the code. We have. So the article goes on to say, though gay sex isn't illegal in the Vatican City, drugs are. Oh, okay. And Capozzi, Luigi as we're calling him, was arrested. Because he had, was he snorting coke off the ass of a 22-year-old boy? (laughs) He must have been. I think that's probably likely. One thing I was curious about is if he still continued to be a priest. I don't see that um, they kicked him out. I'm I not really sure would like to know Catholic the outcome. Like church uh, does oppose gay sex, but 
But and drugs. But the I don't know. So maybe in he, the house of God, maybe he got out, continued to serve the Lord. I'm went, not sure. Kept on priesting. Kept on priesting. Just maybe. went to confession. Did 125 rosaries. This the the article says this is sort of like the Da Vinci Code, but with way more dongs. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, I love good it. Good stuff. I haven't heard the word dong in a long it time. Is, Let's bring that's that a good back. Good old fashioned word. It it's a good way to describe things. But, you know, I feel like I'm just living a boring life. Even the priests are over here like, "Let's <sighs> let's do a group activity tonight, yes. boys." This is better than a trust fall. Believe me. <laughs> Our icebreaker is really gonna and you're gonna enjoy it, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Oh boy. It'll break the ice all right. Wow. So there there Thank you have you it. for that. I'm not sure if we, that was like a good end, thing to leave it, you with. It, but. Yes. You end us with quite the image for our hundredth episode. Just a bunch of naked men rolling about in a church. Being caught mid orgy. Isn't that always the way? You know I feel like people get caught in the act of sex a lot. Right in the middle. Yeah. Right, Neil. Wow. In our stories, they do anyway. They do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that. what are the chances in three minutes that that's when the police are going to come? Apparently, high, highly likely. Wow. I'm going to suggest that, or guess that orgies take longer than the average coupling. I'm thinking but. it might have been like a, it sounds like it was an ongoing event that night. Yes, yes. Lots With of the men drugs. Coming. Yes. yes. So. Huh. Okay, so, yeah. cool. cool. Happy, happy hundred. Yes, happy hundred, my friend. Hope you guys have enjoyed all hundred episodes thus far. And hang on, because we're just getting started. Oh, yeah. And uh, keep it curious. Keep listening. Follow us on social media. Rate us if you're on an app that allows that. That'd be cool. That helps us be seen. It does. Write us case suggestions or brain baths or your own personal brain bath. We'll keep you anonymous. Crimecurious at yahoo.com or uh, messenger through all of our socials there. And I just want to say thank you for all the nice messages. Oh we got like so many nice messages. And um, we reply to them. Just so you guys know, like if do. you send us a message, we are not going to not respond to you. Like we, we're social workers. This is what we do. We, we talk for to sure. people. We connect with people. So we read them all. We do. So, so don't be afraid to to pop in with a message. And um, yeah, until next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.